The basis for our Christmas message tonight comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The word of our God. We've been talking a lot about weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, leading up to Christmas this year. The weight of Christmas expectations, the weight of possible loneliness during the holidays, the weight of having to prepare for Christmas when you really don't have the time or the effort or the energy that you want to put into preparing for Christmas, the heavy weight of deadlines and demands and the busyness of the Christmas season. These burdens we carry with us leading up to Christmas, they drag us down. And, and after hearing the, the, the Christmas account in Luke chapter 2, you noticed... There's really no mention of weight being lifted there. Not directly. Really, the, the, the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth, they're very good at giving us all the descriptions of all the events surrounding this monumental point in history. But it's actually the prophet Isaiah that probably gives us the most details about what's happening behind the scenes when Jesus came to earth on Christmas Eve. The prophet Isaiah was God's spokesman to the people of Israel 700 years earlier, before the birth of Jesus. The, the Lord used Isaiah to weave together the past and the present and the future to show how God's deliverance was there every step of the way. And, and here in Isaiah chapter 9, we see burdens being lifted, a light in the darkness. And he's tying all these vivid descriptions forward 700 years to Christmas. And that baby lying in the manger, burdens lifted, light in the darkness. But Isaiah, he also ties this description, this promise of burdens being lifted back in time, 
600 years before the time of Isaiah to this hopeless-looking time in the book of Judges in Israel's history. And I know you, you probably wouldn't expect that we're going to be talking about the book of Judges tonight on Christmas Eve, but we kind of have to jump into this hopeless time in Israel's history if we really want to get the hopeful message that Isaiah gives in chapter 9 here. The, the words that kind of tie us back to the book of Judges here, they're in verse 4. For as in the days of Midian. The time Isaiah points us to here was a pretty hopeless looking one. The, the nation of Midian had, had Israel in a stranglehold. The nation of, of Midian was oppressing the people of Israel. And, and it was so bad that the people of Israel, they were pictured as wearing a yoke upon their shoulders. Yokes usually were used by oxen, attaching them to the, the plowing equipment so they could plow the fields. But when yokes are used on people, this is a picture of slavery, oppression, defeat, shame, powerlessness. The power of Midian was so oppressive, the people of Israel, they had to go and make their homes in caves, in the, the little crevices of the mountains, because they couldn't, they couldn't stand with the power of Midian, the Midianite army always there. And when the, the Israelites would try to come out to, to plant some crops or to graze their, their flocks, the Midianites would come. They would ravage the fields. They would slaughter their livestock. Israel was, was oppressed and beaten down. The book of Judges talks about this too. Pretty vivid description. The Midianites came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Israel sank about as low as you could go under the heavy yoke of Midian. And when God answered his people's cry for help, well, it kind of looked like a dud of a plan. It looked like a plan doomed for failure from the very beginning. Instead of appointing the strongest warrior in Israel to lead the charge against the power of Midian, he chose a, a dude named Gideon, a guy with zero self-confidence. And, and, and Gideon even told this about himself. He, he said, I am the weakest man among the, one of the weakest clans in all of Israel. Wow, that's really encouraging. And, and then God, for a fighting force for Gideon, he whittles him down to having only 300 soldiers. 300 against the might of Midian, this swarm of locusts. And instead of equipping this army of 300 with weapons, God commands Gideon to give them trumpets, jars of clay, and torches. This looked like a suicide mission. Here they are, they're going to go and, and take out the enemy's main camp. Suicide mission. Doomed to fail. A, a, a dud of a plan. 
Really, God, this is the best you've got? And so Gideon and his soldiers, in the middle of the night, they, they circled around the, the Midianite camp. They, they gave a blast on their trumpets. They shattered their jars of clay. They lifted their torches. They gave a battle cry, assuming they're charging to their death. But the Midianites panicked. In the middle of the night, in the confusion of the darkness, they had thought the Israelites were already in their camp, and so they started turning on each other. They, they cut each other down. They were so afraid of the Israelites, even though they hadn't even come into the camp. They self-imploded. They ran for their lives. This looked like a suicide mission. A foolish dud of a plan, but against all odds, it worked. The yoke of Midian was broke. God's plan wasn't such a dud after all. And this is why Isaiah points us back to the days of Midian in the days of the, the book of Judges. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, shattered. And when we weave this account from judges into our own present time, we'll realize we maybe have more in common with the Israelites of Gideon's day than we might have realized. We walk through life with these, these heavy yokes across our shoulders. We carry burdens of our own. Some of these burdens are, are obvious. If anyone knows our backstories, they'll, they'll know the stories of failure, the stories of loss. Maybe you have some present struggles, burdens that you can't hide them from anyone. And, and at the same time, we all still have our own hidden burdens that we're carrying. We struggle with, with guilt over past sins, struggle with, with mental or physical conditions that we can't explain to anyone. And we, we disguise and camouflage this pain and this anxiety under the facade of a fake smile, especially around this time of year. And, and the, the heaviest weight we carry is one we really can't do anything to lift off of us. Sin's got us in a, a very similar spot that the Midianites had the Israelites in. We cower in caves of our own making when the guilt of our sins comes crashing down on us. Even when we try to do good works, well, they get ravaged, they get trampled by that selfish, sinful nature that wants us to claim glory and credit for ourselves. Sin has us in a stranglehold. We're, we're locked into it like, like having a yoke across our shoulders, on our necks. The weight of our sins bears us down beneath God's righteous frown, and we're stuck, deserving of his just punishment. This weight of sin, it, we're in over our heads with it. And, and I don't know if any of you are weightlifters, but one of the most panic-inducing things that can happen when you're lifting weights is when you realize you're in over your head on the amount of weight you choose to lift. Uh, so maybe if you're doing some squats, you have that 
that bar on your shoulders and you're, you're squatting, but then you realize you put a little too much weight on the bars. Or you did one rep too many and all of a sudden you go down and you can't get back up, you're stuck. Too much weight. And you can strain and strain all you want, but you, you can't budget, you're stuck. You need a spotter, you need someone to come and lift that weight for you. And this, this sin has us in over our head, something that we can't lift on our own, no matter how hard we strain. You see it now? This is why Isaiah ties the story of Gideon to the story of Christmas. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You have a weight-lifting, yoke-breaking Savior. And of course, you look at that, that little baby lying in the manger. He doesn't look like a heavy weight-lifter, does he? But then again, God has a habit of, of never going with mere appearances, does he? With Gideon, he sent Gideon and a ragtag bunch of people to go and take out the power of the Midianites. And we looked at that and said, come on, God, that's the best you've got. But look at the connection here. Fast forward to Christmas. We've got a, a helpless baby lying in a manger in a barn surrounded by shepherds, swaddled in rags in a backwater town. Really, God? That's the best you've got? Looks like a dud of a plan. Not a, not a suicide mission, but a sacrificial mission? Really, this, this humble baby of humble birth is going to save the world by dying? Yes, and against all human reason and human wisdom, it worked. And once you start to realize what God's past rescue missions looked like, you kind of start to see God's name stamped all over this rescue mission, a baby lying in a manger on Christmas. And that's not the end of the story. Jesus shatters the yoke of sin on our shoulders by his innocent death. Jesus, far from a dud of a plan, he was the plan, the one to save us from our sins. Jesus lifted the heaviest burden of all. He lifted the yoke of the cross. He carried the weight of your sins up to Calvary. And there when he said, it is finished, your burdens were shattered, sins erased, the sacrificial mission complete. The yoke is broke. Jesus is our new and better Gideon. 
His victory, it wasn't just for Israel, it was for all of us. His victory wasn't just against an enemy nation, it was against our greatest enemies of sin and death themselves. His victory wasn't just a temporary reprieve from oppression. His victory over sin and death is eternal and irrevocable. That baby lying in a manger came to earth for you. Not just Mary and Joseph. Even though we aren't related to that little child by blood, he belongs to you and me. And he shed his blood for you and me, for all of us. Isaiah is very clear on that point. He says, For to us a son is given. To us a child is born. And the angel, talking to the shepherds, said the same thing. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus is also very clear on this too. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When you dig into the, the rich history surrounding this earth-shattering event called Christmas, you get a, a really awesome picture of how good our God is and how he works and I know you really probably weren't expecting or wanting to be in the book of Judges on Christmas Eve, but that's the thing. No matter where you look, in the far past, in the distant future, in the, the stressful present, there you're going to see the wonderful Counselor, the mighty Lord, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace at work shattering burdens, erasing sin, breaking yokes, bringing peace. Jesus takes that sin from your shoulders and replaces it with God's favor. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. The wait is over. Amen.